0: In one year, I lived in 14 countries across four continents. I took 26 flights, 8 trains, 6 buses, 5 boats, and rode on the back of 20 plus Grab motors, as well as in the bed of three pickup trucks. I went to four music festivals, met Danny DeVito at an Italian airport, and rode a boat through the Guasú Falls. Uh, If you don't know what that is, the series of waterfalls taller than Niagara Falls and twice as wide. Pretty dope. Uh, I used my bomb Spanish skills to hustle my way into a free (laughs) yellow fever vaccine. Worked on a Vietnamese farm picking morning glory leaves. I saw firsthand the factory where my vans were made. So cool. I sold a company, started another, and discovered new passions, dance, art, and psychology. I communicated in 14 different languages, made more friends than I can count, fell in love, had my heart broken, and unearthed a version of myself that was stronger, smarter, and more competent and more intuitive than I ever realized existed within me. As I reflect back on it all, there's no doubt that this was all just the beginning.
1: welcome to the roaming the earth podcast i am your host drea castro and today i am here with taylor wallace taylor i'm so excited to talk to you and get to know you and hear about your journey uh i love that excerpt in the beginning like i can see your crazy ass journey around the world (laughs) (laughs) so that's amazing uh I want you to talk about that excerpt. Like, tell me about why you wrote it and what were you thinking and, and the journey.
0: I think the idea behind that excerpt was to kind of take a second to pause and really reflect on all the experiences, um, you know, that I've been fortunate enough to have, um, in this life, in my new reality, you know, as a digital nomad, um, and I'm a big, Uh, Like numbers, like data person by training, so it wasn't until I kind of like looked back, looked back at like all of these experiences, kind of like by the numbers, you know, the number of flights, number of of just insane things, and kind of just looked at them all on a list. I just remember being overwhelmed with such an immense feeling of just like gratitude of like all these awesome things that I was able to experience at some time in the window between 24 and 27. Um, And yeah, it just really kind of like helped me take all of these like seemingly like desperate experiences that were awesome in that moment. And then like such as the life of a nomad where you're constantly like experiencing new things and like the new highs and new lows and kind of like that. Shiny Object Syndrome. That I think it's important to like, kind of regularly take time to, to reflect, and so that expert was kind of like a, you know, a more fun, um, specifically pre-COVID when things were extra. <laughs> you know, um, it's been a bit more tame, yeah, you know, uh, since twenty twenty, um, but I was lucky enough to begin this journey in twenty eighteen. So, you know, having had a really awesome, aggressive, strong front-end, and, you know, honestly, we've adapted so well to digital nomading during, because it's not post-COVID, um, but, you know, during COVID and hopefully beyond. So, yeah, the, the excerpt's kind of like this way of taking all of these pieces and putting them together in this, like, digestible nugget of, like, wow, life's been really good. God's been really good. And, uh, yeah.
1: What is a digital nomad? Define what a digital nomad is. Because not everybody on my podcast will know what it is. Like I've had digital nomads before, but I love hearing your definition of it, living that lifestyle right now. A digital
0: nomad is a person who is able to uh, work like completely like location independent, only de- dependent <laughs> or reliant on you know having their laptop or whatever medium of technology and like the internet.
1: Can you tell me what your life as a digital nomad looks like? Like, what does it look like every day? Oh, I guess it changes, but a normal day,
0: however way you can define that. So to answer your question, so right now I mentioned I'm in Rio. Um, Prior to Rio, I spent the first uh, three, two months of the year in Mexico. Um, So my typical days, I wake up um, and I I like to start my day surfing. Um, So that's largely why I chose to come to Rio from where I was in Puerto Escondido in Mexico. Um, Because Puerto Escondido is also known as like the Mexican pipeline. So it's a solid place to serve. Um, But they're coming into their big wave season. So it was getting to the point where it was beyond my skill level, to say the least. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I wake up, I'll try to catch like first light, which here is like 5.30 or something like that. So surf, depending on how crowded it is, or something anywhere between an hour and a half to like two or three. Come home, shower. I do a lot of like quick meals. And then I usually just pack my bag up and I'll head out ideally to a co-working space. But in some countries, that's more difficult or just more inconvenient than others. So either co-working or to like a cafe. And I kind of just like, you know, post up. I have a pretty solid morning routine that I kind of breezed over a little bit. Surfing is very dependent on what the ocean's doing. So sometimes I'll wake up and, you know, the waves aren't great or it's too windy or something, but in like two hours, it'll be awesome. So I'll do like my morning gratitude or like, you know, plan out my day or like kind of review the last things I did the night before. So I can kind of like start waking my brain up to today's expectations But yeah, basically by the time I'm out of the water and like bed, it's like grind time. So if I'm not beholden to my client's time zones or their meetings or something, I'll sometimes try to structure my days. So I'm working like a three, two, meaning I'm working three days of the week. Like anywhere from eight to 12, again, like however long it takes to get the task done. And then on those off days, I'm doing more personal work. So whether that's on the like my brand, like the Fit Founder, um, which is where I kind of focus on sustainable nomading. So talking about the importance of optimizing our mental and our physical and our professional wellness while being location independent. So like on Taylor Days, you know, I'm either writing blogs or you know, like responding to messages on, on Instagram, kind of stuff like that. So I try to keep a good balance, like listening to my body and my mind and, um, you know, always knowing the tasks that are on the horizon that need to get done, but like giving myself a flexibility to kind of like optimize around my energy levels or my moods or like, you know, some cool event that's happening that I want to make time for. Yeah, in my day, Usually um, either grabbing like a meal or a drink with some friends. Um, my brother actually recently moved on to Rio so oh, you're wow. the street. <laughs> <laughs> so my parents were like, uh, I guess we're gonna be we moving back to. Brazil? <laughs> like, oh, it's, you, maybe, maybe. Uh, and so yeah, I have like a pretty solid um, you know group of friends here. I actually did my study abroad program here in Rio as well so I have friends from university and so it's a nice like balance
1: okay so my my next question for you is what does travel mean to you you're a digital nomad what does travel mean to you as a
0: digital nomad that's a really good question um and I say that because I find myself getting almost defensive when like my lifestyle is defined as, like, traveling. Like, sometimes I'll be talking to, like, you know, like, my parents or something, and they'll say, like, well, when do you think you'll finish traveling? Never. Like, well, <laughs> you know, like, it, it almost feels, because, like, you know, part of the nomad experience is, like, you're not just, like, on holiday, you are, you're living abroad, you know? Like, you have... It's your lifestyle. Yeah, you know? Like, you know, it's, like, traveling is just, like, holiday, like, yay, we get to go, like I don't know, I think I maybe a little while, yeah, traveling and vacation, I kind of associate together versus like, no, this is like my home right now, you know, like the, like I have my gym membership, I have my friend, I've got like my um, and so like um, so last weekend, uh, I went skydiving for the first time, awesome, mm. um, and we had to travel you know like to a different um city that was about three hours south of rio so like i think that is like travel you know where i have to like you know figure out a bus ticket and like coordinate all these little like details and make sure i have snacks <laughs> like all that stuff is like that's travel for me so
1: would you say like travel is not just vacation it's your lifestyle
0: yeah like- So the definition of travel is go from one place to another, uh, typically over a distance of some length. So uh, example, the vessel had been traveling from Libya to Ireland. So I guess using this definition of going from one place to another, it's like um, there's got to be some like prefix that would more accurately describe it, you know, like a, I don't. I don't know why my brain just like really resisting this idea of like. I, I would not call myself a traveler, but I don't. I can't really justify why that is. So um,
1: maybe huh. like no, the nomadic lifestyle is not travel. Being a yeah. nomad is 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 having a home in
0: many different places. You know. Oh, I like that. And I think, you know, like, you know, there's a couple of, there's kind of like a spectrum of nomading kind of like starting from like the, I've pictures for first, but okay. Starting from the kind of like the nomad, like novice, let's say. So it's like two weeks or something kind of like working remote all the way to like, I guess what will be called like a slow mad. And that's like the last level before you're like a proper expat where you're just like, I'm in Portugal now, forever, bye. Um, so like pre-COVID, I was more of like a slow man, which means I was spending yeah. up to like three months in a particular place. So like that first year, I did one month per country to kind of like nice. see what I liked or what I didn't like, what things mattered to me or didn't matter so much. And then once I kind of found the, those like cities, those communities that really resonated with me, by the second year, I kind of, like, essentially divided my year into, like, three, into thirds. Thailand, nice. Ramai, yes. Lisbon, Portugal, yes. Medellin, Colombia, yes. And so, I guess, given that context, like, yes, nomads can be travelers. But I think because of how I nomad, maybe that's why I had some resistance to that concept of, of traveling. But I think it's it's come full circle in my brain now so yeah
1: (laughs) tell me the decision about doing what you're doing like when did that happen why did it happen
0: yeah um so i made the decision that i wanted to give the digital nomad life a try in like summer 2017 Mm -hmm. Um, I had just graduated from my business accelerator program. So I was living in New York. Um, and prior to that, like I graduated from college, my first job out of school was in Boston. So I went from Boston for two, two years, mostly, um, then New York for about six months to the program. And then once I graduated, um, you know, my team was already completely remote. I was just looking at properties like, do I want to go back to Boston? Do I want to stay in New York? We were in fashions. So There's a lot of pressure to be in New York. There's a reason I chose to move to Boston when I first graduated and not New York because, you know, the, the, energetically, it just wasn't a good, the best fit for me. And I just remember like looking at all these property listings and like 13, 15-month leases, $2,400 for a studio. And I'm just like thinking to myself, this is crazy like why am i I paying this much money to live in a city that i have no need to live in like it's not like my family's there like yes i do have friends there and i love them very much but there's this magical thing called an airplane so it's not like you know I, i won't ever see them again if i'm not living next door so i really began to like think about the idea of like location dependence or like specifically like setting down roots somewhere in a new light once I didn't have this like corporate job or you know a mortgage or a husband or something like you know pulling not pulling me but keeping me in one place I really kind of like unlocked this part of my brain when I realized how narrowly I had been focusing on what my options were Um, and I think this is just around the time that a lot of these work travel programs are starting to kick off. I think this was maybe a year or two after remote years, like inaugural jump um, There was a bunch of other companies. A lot of them have, have uh, failed. Um, but I think now big two are like wifi tribe and um, maybe one other one, but basically just like see, you know, they kind of like had some pretty decent ad targeting and i started looking into these different programs and they were like look for two grand a month you can live in a different place around the world new place every month we provide your housing we provide your co-working we provide your travel between the different locations i'm like what that's <laughs> like less than i'd be paying for this studio and i get to like travel the world and like have all the support that's awesome um, but then I took like, a deeper look and I saw like a lot of the itineraries were like year long and they were like four months in um, South America, four months in Europe, four months in like, Asia or some, some combination like that. Um, and at that point, you know, I was fluent in Spanish, was fluent in Portuguese. Um, I was conversational in Japanese. And I, wow, you know, had awesome. lived a considerable chunk of my like, young adulthood, albeit I was in college, but I was like, yeah, I don't even need to pay too much. I don't need my handhelds around Latin America. I kind of had this little, like, like, I could do it on my own. <laughs> um, and so I did, I, I kind of like took the jump. Um, so I made the decision summer 2017 and I flew out New Year's Eve uh, 2017 to begin life anew in my first city, which was Buenos Aires, Argentina. And I said, and yeah.
1: Did you already have the plan of going for a long time? Like, did you see an end to it? Or were you just like, you know what? I'm going to go indefinitely.
0: So my plan was to do a year. Um, because at that point, that's what all of the like, programs did. You know, like That changed, program. huh? Pretty quickly. <laughs> changed quite quickly, yes. Um, I just... So... There's a couple of factors that that went into it. Um, the first being, in that in the first four months when I was in Latin America, I had like unintentionally kind of like duplicated the same track of this one year, um, remote year program. So I kept running into like the same people, like a co-working in Buenos Aires, and then like I'd see the same like guys in like Lima, and I see that I'm like, what? Like, am I being stalked? Like. Here I was thinking I was doing this like, novel, like trailblazing thing. And, like, I was actually, like the same 30 people with me everywhere I was going. I'm like, what the heck? So finally in Medellin, which was the fourth month of nomading, I was like, okay, lay it on me. You guys are remote year, been in here for four months. Like, is it worth it? And they were pretty like, you know, also very smart, also, you know, pretty competent, pretty <laughs> i up. I oh, none no, of no, them are watching this. Very competent, very cute. Um, and they kind of showed me this other side of the nomad world where it's not just like proving that you can survive in other countries or in other cultures, but it's like how do you thrive in constantly changing countries and cultures? Um, and having that community was something that I didn't realize I was missing until I could see what it looked like. You know, like, not just being around other foreigners, like backpackers or, you know, people on holiday, but other entrepreneurs, other freelancers, other people who also need to wake up and, like, get shit done and, like, hustle, but still want to enjoy the fact that they're living in Colombia or the fact that they're, you know, like, living in Cusco or, and get to see Machu Picchu and all this cool stuff. Which um, I and- love.
1: I love Cusco. If Ooh. I had to pick a place where I would like probably start a digital nomad life, it would be Cusco. Like I right? freaking love people it.
0: People are so nice. The food's so good. I, I don't mind that. the altitude sickness so much. Like <laughs> so give you some coca leaves and we're good to go. I
1: think it's yes. so remember. amazing. I can't remember which leaves.
0: Leaves, what's legal. <laughs> but, oh uh, no,
1: no. It's definitely Peru. Like they were just like, have this coca tea. And I was like, what <laughs> is this? Like, uh I was just like, what is it? Go-go like, it
0: and coffee. It's my juice. Coca it's candy,
1: funny. like every kind of thing, coca yeah. like
0: yeah. still yeah. got sick.
1: I still got sick. But,
0: <laughs> I, yeah, I um I don't even know. No, no, I think I was chilling. I think I was like, You're so lucky. <laughs> 'cause girl, oh, don't,
1: don't got that. the lungs for it.
0: <laughs> yeah, after COVID we'll see. But uh um, <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, my decision was pretty like intentional at first and then it evolved as I got more like not like you know, I was I didn't know what I didn't know when I kind of jumped off and I was just like really open to iterating as you know, more knowledge and more like opportunities presented themselves. And so Yeah. Did you ever have any fears? when you first started, were you
1: ever scared or were you just like, I'm going in? Like you weren't even thinking about it.
0: It's a good question. Um, I think a fear that I had not first, not like when I first made the jump, um, but like once kind of like the honeymoon phase wore off, Um, was kind of like this fear of like falling behind. Um, so, like, when you make the decision to commit to the lifestyle of a digital nomad, like by proxy, you're making the decision to detach from the lifestyle of ninety-nine percent of like everyone else that you know, right? So, whether consciously or subconsciously, you are no longer on the same path as you know, your best friend from grade school or your classmates, you know, from college or, you know, the person that started at the same analyst level as you at whatever company. And so you have this like confidence on like your path and your trajectory and like what you're working towards. Like, you know, the journey has its highs and lows and sometimes in those lows, if you're not careful and you kind of, you know, look outside of your blinders and you see like oh shit people are getting married like oh wow they're like partner now or like they're done with med school you know it can be kind of like a what if this doesn't work out I've committed X number of years you know of my of my life to not only this lifestyle but you know this business this like you you make certain sacrifices when you choose to be a nomad and so when your confidence is sometimes like wavering it can be a pretty scary thought you know this idea of like coming home and feeling like you failed because no matter I mean I have the world's most supportive you know family I'm the youngest of five I'm the only girl oh wow Um, and so like
1: Wait, you're the last, you're the
0: only girl. Oh my God. And you're the
1: youngest. You got four brothers. Oh no, four yeah. brothers. Yeah. Beat some guys up. <laughs>
0: the only up. Them, they're, they're, they're fair. They, they were pretty fast. I'm just kidding. They're awesome. And so like, I definitely acknowledge the privilege in having that kind of support because you know I have so many friends who did not, do not have that kind of like, community outside of the nomad world that supports you, you know, because like if you're already kind of like feeling low or, you know, a contract falls through or something and you want to talk to your mom or your best friend from home or something. And they're like, well, I told you it wasn't going to work out. Or like, you know, I told like, I guess it's time to come home. Like that can be really, really freaking discouraging. So luckily I I didn't have that. So most of the fear was internal. But I think that's the greatest fear It's like you really have to kind of um, step out on faith and like really have that strong foundational confidence in yourself that like even if like I don't know exactly the how, but I know the what. <laughs> like I know this is going to happen and like, okay, this is a slight setback, but that is obviously just opening the door for something even more awesome. So it's like learning how to like reframe your mind of like, this isn't a failure. It's just an opportunity for something even better to come along. And so it's, it's, a, it's a delicate, like little balancing dance. It's definitely part of the journey.
1: So I want to talk about that because you've now moved into the wellness and mindfulness space. Is that the reason why you moved into that space? Or is it like, you know, what came first, you know? The chicken or the egg? You know?
0: <laughs> yeah, um, that's a really good question. What came first? Um, when I, when my company was going through our accelerator program, we were fortunate enough to have some like really, like kick-ass, like rock star social media gurus, kind of like in our. Um, camp if you will like like and this is like before I mean I think I technically had an Instagram or like social media accounts when I first started the program but like I was using a tenth of the potential of these apps and one of the most like prominent things that really stuck with me from one of my advisors was document don't create and so when I first got started like with like my traveling and things like that it was really tempting to kind of just like look how awesome this life is. Like, I, just, this is my view. Hashtag today's office. You know, like, all of these, like, just, like, the all the sunshine and, and giggles and the, the skittles and rainbows of, of nomad life. Um, but as I mentioned, you know, it's just like any other big transition. Like, after the honeymoon phase kind of wears off, you really start to get deeper with yourself around, like, okay, what? am I really doing? Because for a lot of us, whether it's conscious or subconscious, there's sometimes some other factors or reasons that influenced why we chose to be nomadic in the first place, right? Like, oh, I just had a really bad breakup. Peace out. I'm going to Thailand or something. Or like, oh, I, you know, it's like, you know, some catalyst that's, it's like running from something instead of running towards something. And eventually that catches up with you. I didn't realize that like I had my own kind of like running from and that was having a really clear vision of what like my long term objective was. Because when I first started nomading, I was still running my my company. I was still working on my startup. And I imagined that was going to be two, three, four years before we were ready to exit. We ended up selling our IP four months into my nomad life. So I had like this whole vision of like, you know, build like building and running a tech startup abroad and like that's really my YouTube channel title. And like within four weeks, I was just like, Fuck, am I technically employed, like what? And so like all the structure, all of like the goals and the milestones and everything like went out of the window. I had a pretty solid foundation in terms of just like that, Uh, the self-love kind of like mindfulness space Um, for context my first company yes we were in the fashion discovery space but we focused exclusively on curvy and plus size fashion so the mission of our company was to make um, you know fashion a more um, like welcoming and inclusive space for everybody so a lot of like self-love like you're a kick-ass woman, and like you should be able to express yourself through your fashion, like everyone else. Like, like, and so I was fortunate enough that I was like, ah, oh, now I get to like practice what I preach and like kind of like remember to love myself. <laughs> um, and so I, I remembered the whole, you know, documenting don't create. And so I started writing more, and I wrote a piece on like traveler's depression because. I felt like it was something that like no one really talked about. You know, it's kind of like you almost feel guilty. Like every day, you're getting DMs and emails and all this stuff about people. Like your life's so awesome. Like I wish I could be doing what you're doing. Like you know, like you feel so grateful for having the experience that you almost feel like ashamed that you're not happy. Like you feel like you're obligated to just be. This like beacon of light because you know so many people are like watching you, and that's just not the reality. And so, I really started to take a look at what are the foundational factors that, in my experience, determine whether or not someone's lifestyle as a digital nomad can be truly sustainable. Um, and it kind of came down to this like this pyramid, if you will, of like the optimization of our mental like our physical and like our professional wellness. So I started looking at, you know, that triangle in my life and like my mental health was okay. It was pretty decent. My physical health was all right um, because after I sold the company I was living in Medellin, the next month I moved to Budapest. So it was really hard for me to get like a lot of the like new, like they just don't seem to eat vegetables and hungry. I'm not quite sure what's up with that. (laughs) So I I, like noticed, you know, like my body wasn't feeling as awesome. Um, I couldn't surf. There was no hockey. I found a pole studio. So that was like kind of like the beginning of, you know, the the, the uptick in that regard. But my professional was just like non-existent. You know, I had these like passion projects I would still go to the co-working spaces and kind of just like talk to other entrepreneurs. And like, I always had like a passion for kind of helping people look at some of like the problems that they were encountering with their business like, differently, but I, it wasn't a business. It was just like something that just helped me fill my days. Um, and so, yeah, I, I it's kind of hard to say what came first, the chicken or the egg, because it was in documenting like my own journey journey through like trial and error of like, okay, like drinking every day that's not the way to, <laughs> not the way to do it, um, you know. The just like going to the gym every day and and like trying to just distract yourself with stuff like that's not really so good for the my mindset, and like feeling like I needed to, like, maybe I should. You know, see if that position at this bank is still open. Kind of like these like, fear-based decisions about, like, you know, professional paths and stuff. That wasn't serving me. So I kind of, like, stripped it down to the bare bones. First, I set the intention of, like, what does optimal, like, mental health look like for me? Okay, what does optimal, like, physical health or wellness look like for me? Like, what does the optimal, like, professional health look like for me? And then I kind of like started to reverse engineer how I structured my, like the activities I was doing, like where I was going, the kind of people I was hanging out with to kind of begin rebuilding those foundations. And once I had the foundation set, it was like a whole nother world just opened up. Like I would just like run into someone at some random meetup that's like, Oh, Hey, like, I know this is totally out of the blue, but like, I just need another person's perspective on this. You know, my company, like blah, blah, blah. is in the VR space. And like, we can't decide whether we should, you know, hire a new CTO or like stick with our contracts. And I'm like, huh, well, what a coin kidding. Like I remember having that same, like, and that person went on to become my first client. So it was wow. like really blatant how, much like my life shifted once i had that like that strong like grounding so i guess both the chicken and the egg manifested at the same time <laughs> <laughs> so okay
1: what is the most valuable thing that you've learned while you were traveling
0: Ooh. or while
1: doing what you're doing
0: most valuable thing that I've learned? Like, nothing in life is permanent I think a lot of the times, especially as entrepreneurs, but just as, as analysts or ideators or type A, thing, whatever classification you want to call it, um, we can sometimes get like paralyzed with this like analysis paralysis. You know, even in deciding where to where to go after I I knew it was time to leave Puerto Escondido, I think I spent like two weeks like making, like, a pros and cons list, like, Playa del Carmen, like, I had friends there, but I hated Cancun and Dulum, and it's kind of the third, like, you know, like, I really spent a lot of time, and then I remembered, like, the same piece of advice, you know, one of my advisors gave me, it's like, okay, think about whatever in your mind you have concocted as, like, the worst case scenario, and in my head, I was like, well, the worst case scenario is, like, you know, I pick a place, and I go, and it sucks, and I can't get any work done and I'm depressed. And they're like, okay. And then if God forbid that were to happen, what would you do? It's like, well, I would just buy a plane ticket and go somewhere else. They're like, okay. (laughs) So at the end of the day, your worst case scenario, like really isn't that bad, right? So like helping me to like um, differentiate between like a hypothetical fear, because when it's hypothetical, it can be anything and your brain's like, Like, we could die. But it's like, no, you know, it just might be kind of like a crappy apartment or the weather might not be so great. It's like, you know. And so once you kind of remove that like hypothetical film, you realize that like you, the possibilities are actually endless. And so you free up so much space in your brain when you realize that like maybe this venture will work out. Like maybe it won't. And if it doesn't, like like, on to the next. and I think that in nomading, you're just like constantly, whether it's, you know, picking a neighborhood in a country you've never been to and being like, no, this is not I'm supposed to be living, like, you know, and losing your Airbnb deposit. It's like, okay, you know, or, yeah. you know, yeah.
1: And it's fine because you could just like literally just move on. Like, yeah. And that's yeah. what's so cool about it. It's so you're so right, it is super valuable, especially doing what you're doing, or just in life in general, just to remember that nothing is permanent you right. I always say here's a saying that I love, you are one decision away from a completely different life, you know what I mean, and I think yeah. that's like goes along with what you're saying, which is like you can change your mind,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, <Just> move on. <laughs> we're like almost like so programmed to think that like like every singular decision is the like you know I'm trying to think Being all yeah it's like okay because I chose to go to this college like I have to study this and I have to go work at this bank and then I have to make this position by this time and I have it's like like we think that like there's no other Path. variation of like the direction we're supposed to go and then like once you like break that mold you realize that like the only limiting factor is your own like imagination that sounds so cheesy i heard it as I no said. but it's true <laughs> it's true most
1: dangerous or exciting moment being a nomad i'm sure there's been some like crazy moments <laughs>
0: Dangerous or exciting. It's like, dangerous. (laughs) Your face, dangerous. I mean, I'm not going to lie. There's definitely been a lot of both. So I think one time, this is pretty recently actually, um, I was traveling, this was in Mexico, and we were with some friends going to a... Like a jungle, right? I don't know. It's one of those like happy passenger, like let's do it. You know, don't need to know any details. Just like where, where should I be to get picked up? And like, <laughs> Long story short, um, we we're like following just like a pin that's just a like, drop in the middle of the jungle, according to Google Maps. Are and you driving? So- no, I'm not driving. Passenger, car full of gringos. Actually, well, oh, yes, gringos and like no Mexicans, but we did have, you know, some Spanish speakers in the car. Basically, we are like following the pin, trying to figure out, okay, the turn-off, go. We turn off, and at the entrance of this like dirt road is like six just like Mexican police cars. And they're just pulling every car over, going into this festival. And like Searching everybody, searching every you know, the cars, going through bags, shoes, all this stuff, and we're like, oh, that's inconvenient. Um, we're gonna be late to this party. <laughs> uh, little did I know we had some um, unknown um, travelers in the car, um, and yeah, basically the cops, you know, pulled us over and searched our car, and they're like, "What's this?" in Spanish. And my heart just like sunk. You know, like I've seen. Wait, what was it? Uh, illegal contraband. Uh, we'll, we'll say. You know, like <laughs> when, when you're with a big group of people, you know, it's kind of one. You of don't those, know, like, yeah. You you have your own stopping rules, but like sometimes, like situations can kind of like, you know, like oh, instead of going to the, the, the this place, let's just go to this party. It's like okay. And then, like, oh, we're picking up my friend Carl. Like, okay, you know, you just kind of like I'm being easygoing, and it's all fun and games until the Mexican police uh, start like outlining all the things that are going to happen. And they're like, well, so we're gonna take all of your passports, and <gasps> you're gonna have to come with us to jail, and oh we're gonna have to like contact the embassy, and you won't be able. And my Spanish is decent but he was definitely you know everyone's in masks they're recording us like, it was like all this everything about the situation was just so sketchy I don't know I just kind of saw my life kind of flash before my eyes just like <laughs> again oh
1: my god
0: in every episode of Locked Up Abroad I mean it could be worse at least we're in Southeast Asia but still you know and they're just like literally listening like first you're gonna go here then they're gonna fly you to like this place where you'll have to wait and go to try like literally like probably spent about 15 wow. minutes just like step by step of how we were. And how did you get out of it? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mentioned we were all gringos, but not all American gringos. So we happen to have two of my friends, uh, one's Colombian, one is um, um Bolivian. And Long story short, like we were able to bribe the cop, and Whoa. uh... let us go. And that was. And like, you were in Mexico. This was in Mexico. Yeah, you
1: can bribe cops there.
0: Yeah, the I mean, after a while, after about the ten minute mark of him highlighting like how over our lives were, I was like, this is a lot of talking. I feel like he would have arrested us by right now. Right. And I'd right. you know, heard stories, like you know we had been, um, you know, one of my friends I got caught, like, peeing outside or something stupid, and they bribed the cop, um, and there's so a lot of situations where it was, like, really frustrating. It was very expensive for all of us involved, but, like, oh my God. at the end of the day, like, by not being more mindful of, like, the...
1: Situation. The
0: specifics of the situation. It could have been so much worse. I mean, wow. did have friends once I moved to the other side of Mexico um, who had had issues and got arrested. Yeah, they got arrested, and they actually got taken to jail. But oh it was God. for like. I mean, I hope this make my hope you don't think all my friends are like super ratchet, but uh, <laughs> um, one no, was, no, no, was like, no. public intoxication, and the other. Was for not wearing a mask. They wow. picked them up and they actually took them to jail and they had to, you know, like call someone to come bail them out. And they offered—I think my one of my friends offered something like thousand uh, Canadian dollars—and they were not having it. And wow. that was like not wearing a mask, so you can imagine, you know, if in our situation, yeah. you know, that would have been yeah life ending you know and that was yeah. really terrifying um so that's probably the scariest that's um that's <laughs> scary
1: my my friend well my uh my roommate is from mexico and he says there's actually a word in spanish i forgot what the word was because he was talking about like you just bribed the cops it's like known you bribe yeah. the cops there so it's like yeah. Crazy to hear firsthand that that just happened to you. Oh my god! It was bad.
0: The it weird was bad. part is they gave the drugs back. <laughs> Why well, don't, don't put that shit around here? Like I'm not like getting like, back. Get that car. shit away from me! it was just like that. What's the point of that? So like the next cop can come, right? And oh like, god, and do okay. it again. Oh no! Yeah, it was. Um, it was like, That's insane. And take a separate car from the strangers. Life I'm... Did you take a separate car? You got another car. Or did you go? <laughs> yeah. By that point, we were already there. I was like...
1: Yeah, yeah. I
0: just... Yeah. I did, I just You're just like, <laughs> but, uh,
1: Okay, so what is your favorite or most fulfilling moment? Now that we've talked about your scariest moment, I want to hear about like the good, happy, most fulfilling, favorite moment. <laughs>
0: Oh, man, that's a, that's another really good one. When I was living in Budapest, I um, had my now sister-in-law's, her um, bachelorette party was in yeah. Croatia. So I was like 10 days in Croatia. It was like a $20 flight for me. So I went. It was awesome. Such a good time. But I was like, I feel like I need a little like musa before getting back to life in Budapest. So I took a little like, Solo holiday, I found like a really cheap flight to Mykonos. And so I was like, you know, I've always wanted to see the Greek Isles. Santorini's too romantic. I'll save that for future Bay. Let's go to Mykonos. Nice. And um, I like booked my, you know, booked a room. I had like my books so of just going to be like Taylor Beach, chill. And while I was there, I learned that another island in the Greek Isles, island, uh, island of. Delos? Basically, it was an archaeological site that had um, like, recently been opened up, and I'm a huge history nerd. So I get to Mykonos. I find out that a bunch of my friends um, from, like, Boston are actually in Mykonos, like, what? on the other side of the island, like, at some, like, beach party. They're just, like, you know, raging, like, come party with us! And I was like, no, I'm kind of just, like, doing some, like, Taylor time, you know. And they're like, okay, we we'll change your mind, let us know. So I schedule this, um, archaeological tour. I spend the whole day. It's hot as anything. Cause there's like, you know, no coverage and everything's has fallen apart. And while I'm on this tour, I meet like these, I don't know, Eastern European guys. I think they're Russian. I don't actually know. Um, that were basically, like, the whole time we were, like, geeking out because we both, for some reason, like, you know, like, a tour guy would ask a question, like, who knows, like, in what year, roughly, the Deity and League, and we're like, oh, am <laughs> so, like, we started, like, bonding over the fact that we both, like, just weirdly love history, neither of us work in history. Turns out, these guys are, like, sailing around the Greek islands. Isles? Islands? Isles? And they're like, hey, we're having a party on our boat tonight. And I was like, I've seen Taken. I don't think that that's going to be something that Taylor's going to do. And they're like, no, no. Like, it's going to (laughs) be super legit. Like, you can bring, you know, anyone that you want. Like, here's her information. Here's her WhatsApp. Here's, like, I was like, okay. I'll think about it. So I was like, definitely. This was pre the Mexico experience. So it was still a little more (laughs) like And you know, I had friends on the islands, so I was like, so guys, I met these guys. They seem really cool. I have this like a uh, personal rule. I call it my 2FA, my two-factor authentication. Like when I meet someone, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna need like a LinkedIn. I'm gonna need like <laughs> you know, I need like a little bit more than just like, you know, uh, knowing that you're cute or something. Long story short. My friends are like, let's do it. And it was a mixed group of friends. So I think there were like six of us. And there were four guy friends, uh, two girlfriends and myself. And I messaged this guy. I'm like, hey, we're in. Like, where should we be? Tells us where to uh, go in the, I guess, marina. So we get to the marina. And I'm like, you know, it's like a bunch of like old like fishing ships and stuff. I'm like, oh, God. I don't know, guys. Sorry, I don't, I, this might not be as awesome because you thought it would be. And then this, like, cool boat pulls up. And I'm like, okay, this is pretty cool looking. Like, this could be fun, you know. They're like, yeah, like, the guy came and, you know, introduced all my friends, like, let them get a read on them before. Yeah. Like, they get they're like, ah, this is cool. And, like, um, the guy had gone to business – like, gone to the uh, Copenhagen School of Business – and one of my friends had gone to, like, okay, like, I'm starting to feel more and more comfortable. Long story short, we get on the boat with these guys, and I'm like, so this is a really cool boat. It seems like, I don't know, I don't know if I feel super comfortable, like, sailing around the Mediterranean in this, per se. But, like, he's like, oh, no, no, like, this isn't the boat. I'm like, that's the boat. <laughs> and he points out, and there's this, like, fucking, like, mega yacht just, like, sitting what? in the middle of the water. And my jaw just drops and I know it's a mega yacht because I remember one of those like MTV-esque like lifestyle the rich and famous mega yacht it's not a yacht it's a mega yacht and I I literally like my jaw dropped my friends were like and so we ended up just like YOLO like going to the coolest party with like the coolest humans on a freaking mega yacht that I met on an archaeological tour of the Greek island of Delos. And that's That's probably the coolest. Awesome. Uh, (laughs) I just like imagine you on a mega yacht like this. Yeah, (laughs) that's a tough one to top, but I'm sure an experience is out there. Maybe. uh... (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty awesome. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. Okay, so
1: your favorite place and tips and tricks, like favorite restaurant or favorite things to see in that place? I think Japan.
0: And I would say like Kyoto or like like Tokyo, but you know, Japan just as a country is just so, I mean, it hits all of the things that I love and it's so navigable. So, as a foreigner, you can get something called, like, the JR Pass, which is, like, a super dope version of a Metro card. So, you can, like, the Shinkansen, like, the bullet train, like, as many number of times as you want, because you buy the pass as a duration of days. Um, So, I lived, I've lived in Kyoto, I've lived in Tokyo, and I celebrated my 25th birthday at a Ryokin, at the base of Mount Fuji. And wow. it was just like, so, um, it just really, amazing. it was like beautiful. It was cathartic. Like I've been studying Japanese probably like in total about six years. Um, wow. And so it was really cool to be in a place like, so I was staying at, so an onsen is a Japanese bathhouse. And then there are these like Yokins, which are kind of like, it's like a private bathhouse, but it's also, it's like a, an inn maybe. Or oh, like, wow. like a, so I think there were like six rooms. as like oh, run by this family. They spoke no English, um, and like each room has like you can book like an hour in the morning and an hour like in the evening of like private. Like they have these two separate onsens on the same, on the roof, um, and it was just so cool because I you know I took the trip by myself. So I went from Kyoto to Tokyo, and you have to take a bus to get back to Fuji, and I mean just the people are so kind, um, like anything you could ever want to do, you can do, do it somewhere in Japan, probably Tokyo. But, you know, if you want to hike a huge mountain or if you want to ski or snowboard or, um, you know, surf, yeah, you know, like it's just such a beautiful country. Um, again, big history nerd. So I really enjoyed, uh, enjoyed ooh, I really appreciated the ability to see aspects of you know not just America's history but you know the world history from the perspective of non-Americans that's always something I seek out when I travel but especially to places like you know Japan and Vietnam where we have a lot of history and our uh curriculum seems to leave out a lot of important details yeah. um the only downside about Japan is it is expensive <laughs> it is, huh? Yeah. I like, I'm gonna need like three x my net worth before I can move back to Japan again. But like, challenge accepted for sure. Um, That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Okay, so we're almost at the end. I have two more questions. Okay. Is there a piece of life advice that you would give to a young Taylor? One piece of advice that you can give her. Because there's going to be somebody out there that's a young you.
0: Whether you think you can, or whether you think you can you're right. I love that. I think that's like one of those quotes that I read that I really like. I like, think exactly. you know just the power of, of mindset is something that I think it's taken me a little bit to appreciate. Um, but I think in my youth, I had I was just a really I was really afraid of failing. Um, and so I, I would never really give a hundred percent so that if it didn't go the way that I wanted it to go, I could say like, it's not cause I couldn't do it. You know, I just wasn't really into it. And I think that that like limiting belief really slowed down my growth because I didn't really give myself room to fail and like iterate. I was always like one foot in, one foot out, which means I, I couldn't do it. So once right. I was able to like acknowledge that past mindset and shift it into like whatever you set your mind, like your, whatever you set your mind to doing, like the only thing that's going to keep you from doing it is you. Um, right. It's just like again, just a whole new reality just like uh, opens up. So yeah, I think that would be the advice to young Taylor.
1: I love that. I love that. <laughs> okay, last question. Where can we find you? <laughs> Everywhere.
0: <laughs> Everywhere. <Kind of. laughs> I'm pretty active on social media. It's pretty active. Um, I think probably most on Instagram. Um, and my Instagram handle is my name. So it's just at Taylor Wallace. Can you um, spell that? Yes, at t a Y L O R W A L L A C E. Um, and then my website, which is thefitfounder.com. So that's T H E F I T F O U N D E R.com. And on my website, I talk, it's kind of split into both like my business consulting. Um, but also kind of like the Digital Nomad coaching resources, tips, tricks, all that good stuff. So uh, yeah, social media, my website, or I guess you could email me if you really wanted to, but you'll get a response in like four weeks. So <laughs> maybe stick to Instagram or the, you know, consults the website. Yeah. I'm working on that last part. i to got to get a VA on my my to-do list. Well,
1: Taylor, thank you so much for joining me on the Roaming the Earth podcast, stories and adventures of people who are jet setters, nomads, and explorers. This is Drea Castro signing off. Join us again next time. Stay wild. If you're interested in hearing more stories from around the globe, don't forget to subscribe. Share it to
0: your friends and follow me on Instagram on I'm Roaming the Earth.